Normally, when someone is put into an empty white room, it's not a good thing. Similarly, when two people enter a challenge on a Netflix production with millions of dollars up for grabs, it's also not a good thing. We're about to muddy the Cinescape as we've tried to prove to you that the Immaculate Room is not that bad. Welcome, welcome one and all to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A grades in B movies. And normally we like to let a movie kind of simmer when it comes out. Hopefully let let things kind of develop as far as the critic scores go and get the reaction out there. But every now and then a movie comes out and you see the trailer and you're like, oh, this looks really, really interesting. And then you take a look at the critic score and go, oh, well, what did they see? We're going to have to see for ourselves. This is one of those occasions, and we're looking at the new Netflix film, The Immaculate Room. Joining me for this trip into the white room, luckily the walls aren't padded, although sometimes we we feel like they need to be, is my lovely wife, Carrie. Carrie, how are you doing? <laughs> I am doing great, but uh, don't know if uh, I want to be stuck in a immaculate room an, an immaculate any, room any longer i mean the concept sounded great but uh <laughs> for the record we are the parents of two kids there isn't a single room in our house that's immaculate and never will be <laughs> never going to happen yeah white walls nope 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 nope, nope and <clears throat> nope although i'm really glad that they didn't crayon all over our walls now Before we go any further, and I'm going to put this right up front right now, because this film is fairly new on Netflix, we're going to tell you right now what you're about to hear in this show will constitute a whole heck of a lot of spoilers. So if you are currently thinking about watching The Immaculate Room, go watch the film. And please do. Yeah. I mean, go watch it. Like, we actually watched it. We didn't mind it. We're not, you know, questioning our life choices here. So go watch the film. And then come back to us. However, can I just put out right on Front Street? I am questioning the life choices of the couple in the very end. Ooh, dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, we'll get there. But uh, that's a big question that I've got. <laughs> oh, there's a few things that came up as, as we're watching this. But before we get into it, before we dissect this film, it is time to take this Netflix movie and trailerize it. Two people, one empty room, 50 days, and $5 million up for grabs. No internet, no TV, no work commitments. The calm, peaceful nothingness. No having to go outside and people. No having to decide what to make for dinner. No schedule to keep. Just sheer, uninterrupted tranquility for 50 days. I mean, people pay for this kind of escapism. And they're getting paid to be there? Just imagine how much sleep you could get. A daily schedule of sleep. Followed by a nap, followed by a short siesta, followed by a snooze, and ending with peaceful slumber. (sighs) Heaven. We have found heaven. The Immaculate Room 
Rated R for relaxation. <laughs> you sell it like it's a meditation camp. I, I feel like I should have done the trailer in like one of those calm kind of voices. <laughs> <laughs> nice and zen. Exactly. In a white room. <laughs> in Two <a> people. Room. <laughs> <laughs> Two people go in. Exactly. Now, now, just try and picture that as a commercial. Imagine, if you will, 50 days of absolute nothingness. No outside distractions, no outside interference, no people, no noise. Just sleep away two months worth of tranquility. And no food. Okay, no well, real there food. Was food. Oh my God. Whatever that protein shake that they were supposed to share, <laughs> like that one boost. <laughs> container no that that's no right now right now there are people who are who all they all they have is boost and they're like yeah no that sounds about right okay i love my boost but i'm it wasn't even it was like nondescript probably like i don't know vitamin water it wasn't even <laughs> it wasn't even like a shake. It was. It was some kind of. It was like the lo- the Loblaws no name liquid. Yeah. gelatinous goop that they were eating. Okay, but if you're putting me in a room for fifty days and I don't have to do anything but like just chill, and you're gonna give me five million dollars, I'll eat the goop. I'll eat the goop. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I bet you anything though. It tastes like chicken. Because <laughs> everything tastes like chicken. I don't know. I I would I would wish for my treat to be like, I don't know, send in some Popeyes or something like, <laughs> freaking, give me something to like eat. Okay, but keep in mind too the treats, like that first treat cost mm. you a hundred thousand dollars. That is a hundred thousand dollar piece of chicken you're asking for. <laughs> and knowing you, that it, crayon, it, it cost- would it wouldn't be the drumstick. No, no. That'd be very sad. But let's get into this film. The movie stars Emile Hirsch, Kate Bosworth, and Ashley Green, with smaller roles played by Alex Scambati as Mikey's sister and M- Emmett Walsh as Kate's father. The film is written and directed by Mukunda Michael Duell. And again, as always, I say, if I screw up any names, I am just a, a Canadian idiot in a basement with a microphone. That's me. Uh, he also directed Collide, by the way. This film... Recently released on Netflix, so no box office whatsoever, uh, made with an estimated $5 million budget. Now, here's where it gets interesting, because it took a while for this film to get out. It was filmed starting in December of 2020, so this is literally a pandemic production. This is in the thick of, I guess, what would be the second wave of the COVID <laughs> pandemic. Inspired, was it? <laughs> I'm starting to think so. Uh, and then it was debuted at the Mammoth Film Festival on February 3rd, 2022. And now it's 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 finally on Netflix. Um, and I have some thoughts about this, but we'll get to that. The film has a meta score of 42. And over on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score is a... Uh, very lovely, 69%. The tomatometer, however, is 29%, which surprises me because it kind of feels like the, the movie the critics would fawn over because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the, there's a lot of questions and a lot of thought and the, you could extrapolate a lot from this. Does it seem like the kind of film critics should have liked, though? <laughs> 
you know what? I can see where it faltered. And I think that it was the weight of expectation because I know going into it, I think I expected more and it just failed to deliver to my expectation. Not that it was a bad movie or that there was anything that was missing or anything that was incomplete, but I just, you know, like... I think I wanted more or perhaps less. I, it, it was, it's kind of a weird dynamic. Um, and I know we spoke about this beforehand, um, but I, I just kind of want to recap that it felt very segmented. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's kind of what's, I don't know, like not sitting well with me, but it's not, it's not like upsetting. It's just, it kind of is what it is. Like it was almost kind of like, okay, this is, this is their honeymoon phase where, you know, it's all like, this is wonderful. And then there's like the sped up, um, the montage, the montage. You're going to need a montage, (laughs) montage. (laughs) Um, that's the yeah. second time I've sung in this show. I'm sorry. It was it was very segmented. And I think maybe, again, critics might have, uh, it, lo- it might have lost points because of that. Mm. I mean, I also have some thoughts on that as well, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But we're going to get to the breakdown here and go through. It won't take long to go through actor by actor because there's not many actors in this. But like five. But let's start with Emile Hirsch, who played Mikey. How was he for you? Hmm. You're gonna you're gonna just start with him, are you? I'm gonna start with him. Oh, I found him. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to say something nice. This, this isn't Bambi rules, right? I, you have to actually say something, even if it's not nice. I'm just I'm just straight up gonna say at first I found him very annoying and unlikable. Just like looking at them as a couple. I was like, what the f*** does she see in him? And then, as the movie went on, I was like, what the f*** does, she, does he see in her? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah. And then, by the end of it, I was like, oh God, just, just break up already. Just go your separate ways, please, mm-hmm. for the love of God. Because <laughs> you're driving each other crazy right now, um, yeah. I, you know what? As a couple, I don't think the actors. I don't think they were bad. I just don't think they were compatible. No, I mean these two characters shouldn't have been together. I mean, and the funny thing is, as they come into the room, they even talking about how it's a second chance for them. It feels like. They broke up and then they got back together and this then this opportunity came up. The thing with Mikey though, right? Because you're 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 introduced to them right away. There's no backstory. The whole movie starts as they enter the Immaculate Room. There's there is no foreplay with this movie whatsoever. It is like wham bam, you're into the white room. That's it. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen um some backstory, some just something on their relationship previous. I, I, you know, I'm going to argue that fact. I am. 
because it's a very, you know, it, it's a it's it's a phone booth film, right? Everything takes place, and and I recognize that being filmed at the end of 2020 in the middle of lockdown, you know, this isn't the bubble, right? This this isn't where we get the backstory of the characters before they enter the bubble. This is a very tonally different film from the bubble. Also, Netflix, thank you for making the bubble. But that being said, you, you're introduced to them as the contest starts. But that allows you the ability to discover the characters. And as the movie goes on, you sit there and your perception of Mikey changes through the 50 days or however long he's in there for. Spoiler alert, Mikey didn't make it to the end. But we warned you about spoilers earlier. <laughs> so, you know. It wasn't quite his fault. No, it wasn't quite his fault. I think he was very justified in leaving. But the thing is, by not giving us the backstory all at once before they get into the white room, into the immaculate room, um, it allowed you the ability of discovery. So I didn't mind that part, but you had to be prepared for it. You did. And the fact that he starts to lose it within about 15 minutes of entering the Immaculate Room. It's like, oh, hey, this is cool. We pushed the button, everything started. And then he starts looking at the clock. And we all know, the, the, the more you look at the clock, the longer it takes. The more you look at the toaster, the longer you wait for the toast. The kettle doesn't pop until you look away. So right away, he's showing us his inability to have inner tranquility. But then by the end, you start to feel a little bit, but I think it's more, his character doesn't grow. His character is just growing in the understanding of why he and Kate don't belong together. So it's not like it's a, it's a redemption thing. It's not like he grew. He just grew a set. You still don't like him, do you? I just found him very annoying right off the cuff, but then Kate was very annoying. <laughs> so I was very annoyed, very <laughs> annoyed by both of them. Okay, so let's get to Kate as played by Kate Bosworth. Lucky her, she didn't have to learn a new name. <laughs> but how was she for you? Very bossy. Like, I, I just... I mean, that's the character. That's the character. Yeah, I know. But she played it very bossy. And I just think, um, I don't know. It's almost like either the character wasn't flushed out or you were still left with maybe just not truly knowing her. I think it's because she doesn't know herself at that point. And hear me out on this one here. So, as they get in to the Immaculate Room, you know, immediately she's trying to create an environment that works for her, right? Her, She's the one with the wake-up call. She's the one that's trying to set her schedule around the Immaculate Room in order so that everything is organized. You know, Mikey, he's the, you know, lucky son of rich parents who gets to be an artist for a living kind of thing, quote-unquote living, so he's a bit more free-spirited, which means that he likes a bit more chaos, of which you don't really get chaos for 50 days in a room with nothing. She's very regimented. She's very, you know, 
she has her routines that she needs to stick by. She's very diligent in oral hygiene. Mm-hmm. Like every scene, she's madly brushing her teeth. Well, I, I think there's there's a manicness to it that be, part of the routine, right? She starts her days off with the shower after the wake up call, and then she does her you know positive affirmations in the mirror in the morning. Then she goes and meditates, and you know she's trying to create a schedule of things for her to do so she can have a very planned out 50 days but none of which includes mikey but there's the problem right and i think that's really what the the immaculate room is supposed to be i mean it's a it's a social experiment created by this person we've never seen but mikey's kind of heard about through some kind of documentary that you know he sent kate the link and kate didn't watch clearly because it didn't fit her schedule but Couples that go into the Immaculate Room seem to be couples that maybe they're not the best match for each other. Like if if they put you and I in the room for fifty days, oh, that would be so much fun. Like we're watching this, we're like, sign me the f- up, seriously. <laughs> well, at the beginning, yeah, it sounded wonderful, but then oh no, things got really weird. But I mean, that's because of their inability to be at peace with themselves right 50 days you and me like we're literally you know creating board games with the blankets and whatnot we're chilling we're napping we're resting we're talking we're laughing you and i could handle that for 50 days and we'll cash out on that five million dollars oh yeah these people these two kate and mikey they're not even comfortable with themselves so how can they be how can they be comfortable with each other and I think that's what the Immaculate Room showed, not us, but them as characters. And, you know, you you witness this almost, you know, as it's going on. By the way, I'm going to say this right now. I'm an editor. So it's part of my job to look for continuity errors don't be looking at the clock through this whole movie because it will go back and forth a couple times. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. And at first I was like, is that though, was that done on purpose? Because Mikey was saying how the clock adds time. I, th- I think the problem is that was referenced once while he was staring at it. So that that you equate more to his, ma- uh, his manicness in that moment. I, I think it's just a, an oversight in editing that they didn't go back and fix. Yeah, because it was like 20-some days, they were halfway there, and then you look at the clock again, and it's, it's like... It's like 30, 31 or something 31, like that. 31, yeah. Like, <laughs> they lost 10 days. You know, if it changes like a couple of minutes, you're okay kind of thing, but it changed quite a bit. So just, just ignore the clock. Clock doesn't matter. Time is an illusion, lunchtime doubly so. Well, it kind of does matter. Well, it matters to them. When you're in there 50 days, Just you want to know. The problem is, now that I've said it, and you go and watch it, you'll never not see it. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Well, I noticed it too. I mean, you know, it doesn't necessarily take a trained eye. It's just kind of like, wait, well, they lost six days. What's going on? Right. And the thing is, too, you're right. It, it very much is segmented, right? They enter 
you know, and things seem to be going okay and they get into their routine and, you know, then you have, you're right, the montage. And then they both get a one call from the outside. And it's not like they can actually talk to the person. It's just like a recorded message for them. You know, for Mikey, it's his sister uh, as played by Alex Gambati. And then you got the father who Kate really didn't want to hear from uh, as played by M. Emmett Walsh. And in those moments, you get these little things that are revealed. It's revealed that, you know, at, at some point, you know, maybe Mikey didn't let his sister know that he's back together with Kate. Um, and Kate really didn't want to hear from her father because she's ashamed of him because he's poor and living in a shelter. And at that point, you're sitting there and you really start to look at these two like, maybe you should be together because you're neither of you were really in this moment good people but you you at first you're like mikey's just gonna fall apart after a while you're like "Eh, these aren't likable people they're not you know what though funny enough you say that but i actually started to really root for mikey and more so and again, I don't want to say too, too much, but when he finally left, mm-hmm. I was like, yes, you go, go and start a new life. And I can't tell you how incredibly disappointed I was with you, Mikey, from the last scene. Mm. Like, no, no, no. Turn and run the other way, son. <laughs> Keep running. Keep running. Keep running. Don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you made your break twice. Do like, don't go back. Don't. You had, you had your chance, sir. Yes. No. No. Do not accept <laughs> damaged goods. Do not accept. <laughs> Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. <laughs> now here's the thing. We mentioned treats earlier, and there's this thing where. Um, they have two treats that they can they can choose, right? They don't get to choose what the treats are. They just get to order a treat. And the first time, and Mikey like chooses right away. Like he he goes for his first treat. For the record, that cost him a hundred thousand dollars. And it's a crayon. That's a hundred thousand dollar crayon. But he's an artist, and it actually, I think the crayon helped him a lot because it was something to do. Right. And you see his solace in drawing, but he doesn't do portraits. So his art is really for himself. So it in itself is a solitary endeavor, not involving Kate. Like everything they do really doesn't really involve the other. And then Mikey gets a second treat. He's like, no, I'm going for my second treat. $250,000. And in walks Ashley Green. Plain Simone. Completely naked. How was Ashley Green for you? You know what? Um, I mean, aside from being completely floored, I was like, what? Whoa, what is happening here? They've now uh, introduced a third party, a, a naked lady into the di- dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it certainly got interesting and got weird after that turn. Um, and I almost kind of, uh, you know what? I think I was so disappointed in the direction that the movie took at that point because I kind of really wanted to see the full 50 days just 
the couple uninterrupted without distraction. I wanted to see how that would have gone, but it just went so horribly left field mm-hmm. from that moment. And it was like, okay, th- this is this is deliberately placed for shock value and to basically turn it into are we going to talk about the second treat, the third? No. Yeah, second we're gonna, treat. Well, it's it's Kate's first treat. And she's like, and the way she she says to like, I'm going to go get my treat, right? Keep keep in mind too, like the first treat makes sense given that Mikey is an artist, right? It's it's actually all things considered a very wholesome distraction from the monotony of living in the immaculate room, right? Mikey wasn't expecting Simone to show up, like he's probably hoping for like a pack of crayons at this point, but no, he he got a naked woman. Who's not, you didn't walk in, I'll, I'll give him credit, right? As someone walks in, it's not like she's going in there like a fembot from Austin Powers, right? You know, she's an actress that, you know, was to, basically paid for a month's worth from her agent, just basically told to go in and improv. So it's not like she came in to be instantly seductive. You know, just like, hey, I'm here, cool. You know, and, and that's okay. It threw Kate way off like way off and then she goes to get her treat which happens to be ecstasy like really you're right it's it it did it, it it took a turn that it didn't need to take yeah it got weird from that point and it was almost like i don't know like like whoever was um the mastermind mastermind or exactly like whoever was was um pulling the strings orchestrating this mm-hmm. right whoever the puppet master was um was almost kind of like okay i'm really gonna wreck this couple mm-hmm. how are we gonna do it we're gonna send in a naked lady and then provide drugs yeah you know and and not just drugs but ecstasy so and and that felt really it, out of character for kate like it'd be one thing if the, if you know the ecstasy showed up and she was still like really pissed off at it and like threw it at the two of them and just walked away. But she pops it and she's like, you might want to sit this one out. That that felt out of character for Kate. Yeah, it really did. Um, and again, it was almost kind of like, again, she she didn't seem very confident in herself. Mm-hmm. At that point, and and so she didn't quite know who she was, or and again, I I don't know if it was the direction, the actress, like just like I I didn't hate Ashley Green in the role, you know, but it, it wasn't a big role. It's you know she was there, caused a little chaos, and then she was gone. Now there's a scene before the treats happen where Kate goes to the bathroom and. You know, out of nowhere, a gun shows up. That's the kind of twist that I can sit there and get behind. Like somewhere, somehow, some way, the gun got in there, and it's like, okay, now, now they're messing with you after X number of days. That part I didn't mind, but they never kind of answered that question or circled back to it. Like, did somebody go into the room and deliver it? They would have had to have mm-hmm. while they slept. Like that just makes it really creepy. Well, okay, but if you're in a room 
as a as an experiment for fifty days for five million dollars, you have to think they're gonna f with you. Why? Why do they have to? Why can't it just be like a simple oasis? Right? You know. I mean, okay, put a gun in there. You know what? Tell you what, I'm I'm gonna you know sit there and either put it away or you know take target practice at the bench that's in there and just get rid of the bullets. That's all you need to do. Like, don't freak out. Well, don't touch it. Right? Then, well, then your fingerprints your are on it. Yeah. Look, look, look at you getting away with murder here. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee I'm not touching a strange gun that just turns up. So I, I think one of the so things... So you're safe. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> <laughs> uh, next on how to get away with murder with Carrie. Target practice. Well, I'm not the psycho that's <laughs> picking up the strange gun. Target practice boy. <laughs> well. Are, are you saying this is not the way? Apparently we should not maybe uh, subscribe to be the next couple. <laughs> okay. A couple things though. <laughs> Ooh, this took a turn. <laughs> Clearly, we are not taking a vacation down by the firing range. Okay. So, couples therapy here. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. There have been movies that are that are created basically around like social experiments, Right. The first one that comes to mind, of course, is Squid Game, 
right? Ah, uh, yes. And Squid Game was very tense and intense, you know, and it sucked you in for the eight episodes that are there. Uh, there's another movie out there called The Box, and I th- if I remember correctly, it's um, uh, it's Cameron Diaz, and I can't remember who the, the male actor is, but this box shows up, and in the box is a button, and they have 24 hours with the box, and if someone pushes a button, or someone pushes the button, they get a million dollars, but someone that they don't know dies. You know, I could also add beef to that. That was a series that... I think I got two episodes in and I was just so bored with it that I'm like, uh. but even though, you know, it's supposed to be really good. Um, I don't know. But but I, I want to moot an idea with you on the, on this movie. Moot away. Moot away. So you're right. It got weird when Simone showed up. It did. Like, give them the crayon. That's fine. It's totally fine. $100,000 crayon. Whew. Crayola's getting, you know, charging the big bucks here. But I wonder if the movie would have been better if the conflict between you know, for Mikey and Kate wasn't necessarily between themselves, but if the conflict was their dependency on the need to connect with the outside world, the lack of television, the lack of the internet, the lack of social media, the lack of friends, like they're broken people that shouldn't be together in the first place. I, th- I think personally, I would have preferred them to be uh, a couple that, that where the moral of the movie is them learning to reconnect as opposed to connecting with the outside world. Well, I think I was kind of hopeful for that. Um, because again, at the beginning, it was Mikey that I was kind of like, oh, Kate, girl, you can do better. Like mm-hmm. what? Like why would you choose this doofus to be stuck in a room for 50 days with? Like, why would you even date this guy? He just kind of seems a bit off. He just, he seemed weird. Mm -hmm. However, then as we got to know Kate's character, it was kind of like, whoa, you're a bitch. Like, (laughs) like, I'm sorry. I'm straight up calling it out. Like, Mikey, what what are you doing? You could do better than this chick. Like, Go hook up with Simone and get out of there. <laughs> like, seriously. Um, and don't look back. Keep running, son. Anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> you really I, didn't like the character of Kate. I, I didn't mean, here's, like here's the thing. Them. If, if you're not supposed to like Kate, then Kate Bosworth did the job very well. She did. Yeah. She was very unlikable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was just kind of like the moment that the father showed up. You know, it was kind of like, whoa, you're you're showing you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. But there's the thing: if the immaculate room was designed not as a way to 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 with them, but as a way to get them to see their failings, see what they're necessarily doing wrong, and then to heal and grow together, I think that would it would have been a better movie. Again, that's just me. And there, there's the point too where where Mikey's saying that he stopped hanging out with his friends because he has rich friends because that was his upbringing. She never grew up with money. She felt out of place around his rich friends. So he stopped hanging out with them to make her happy. Like these are the kind of questions that needed to be brought up and solved in the immaculate room. And I think that was very much part of it is that if she wasn't happy 
she wasn't a happy person. She wasn't happy with herself. Mm-hmm. There was absolutely nothing that Mikey could have done, hard as he tried. And he tried. He mm-hmm. tried to make the relationship work. Um, yeah. It, but, however, was there not a redeeming um, trait to Kate at the end? I I have a note on that. Okay. I want to get to that in a second though. All right. So I know I know that I'm sorry that I know I called her a bad name. And I do feel bad. Now, for the record, she's not calling Kate Bosworth a bitch. Yeah, no, no. She's no, calling Kate the, the actress, character. Yes. Um you know what? It's it's not fair because I again I think had we had more information about their maybe their first go at the relationship, maybe what caused them to break up, like a little bit more backstory. So we're not just kind of like we meet two people and then at first it's like, no, Mikey is no, no, he's not good enough for her. And then it was like, wait a minute. It's actually Kate that seems very bossy and controlling. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing that Mikey could do to, I don't know, to to be what she, to, to meet her expectations, yet he is kind of a goof in, in and of itself. So, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. And I, I just kind of think like, I hope the next couple had a better go of it. Mm. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So, well, well, since you mentioned that, yes, the movie does end with another couple entering the Immaculate Room and starting their 50 days. So I'm going to put this out there before, because I, I do have a couple more talking points on this. But before we get to that, I want to ask you, you know, as, as a movie, as a scripted movie, you know, it has its flaws kind of thing. I think the actors did well in portraying broken characters. Um, but as, as a scripted movie and, and, you know, getting rid of the weird ecstasy part, um, you know, I would be curious to see this as an actual reality series. Have a, a series of immaculate rooms so you can go from room to room throughout the season and people actually doing the 50 days and can they make it to the end? Well, interesting that you say that because you had also mentioned Squid Game earlier. Mm-hmm. And are they not for the second season, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're making it more like almost like a game show well I, I think there's squid game the challenge and then they're making the second season to follow up the first season so i think squid game the challenge is a, a reality game show type thing based on the games that were played at squid game i'm hoping they're not real bullets but right. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm serious though like think of it like a like a big brother meets love is blind but it's not necessarily you know a, a competition per se, but it's real couples put into the room for 50 days to see what happens. Would you watch that as a reality series? Oh, I think absolutely. Cause I mean, look, we were drawn to this movie mm-hmm. based on that premise. Um, I think there is a certain, um, voyeurism. Yeah. It, I mean, it's almost kind of like being a fly on the wall and just watching, life unfold as it as it as it's intended to be but i think it's escalated 
you know, being in that type of environment, being secluded from your friends and family and the only person that you have to communicate with is the other person. So, you know what? It, like, I I can see how it would be a huge test of a relationship. And again, even like a self-exploration, right? Like, Kate seemed to learn more about herself, I think, from um, being in this room. And we really kind of, I don't know, like, I, I can only hope that Mikey learned a lot about himself as well. And I think that was maybe the, the catalyst, I mean, aside from, aside from having to leave for, you know, medical attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but she didn't want him to go because that would have cost them $4 million. And it was that moment that I really disliked her. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, the whole thing about the father, I was just kind of like, like, I, I didn't quite understand it. I couldn't quite follow why she had so much hate and resentment. Really? It, it, I mean, it, really? It, it wasn't hate and resentment towards him. It's just that I think that's more hate and resentment towards herself for right. for for really not acknowledging the fact that her father has no money and is living in a shelter. And, you know, it's... It's that moment where she sits there and has, you know, knows she's going to have to explain to Mikey who he is, why she never talked about him. And that means that she has to be honest about how horrible a person she's been because of that. Yeah, I don't know. She just kind of, oh, she took it way, way, way to the extreme. You know, like, like. I mean, she wouldn't get out of bed for like two days afterwards. And it was kind of like, but I, I, I even think though he tried to be so sweet and loving. I, I think that her not being able to get out of bed for two days, it's not, it's not the fact that she had to see her father, right? It's the fact that she has to now live with someone else knowing, you know, that, that she was ashamed of her father for things that really aren't in his control. Like. Again, it, it that is just a huge, huge red flag that she's maybe not oh, the this, best kind of person. But I'm sorry, after causing blunt force trauma and she's trying to talk Mikey into not leaving to get medical attention, what? Because she's going to lose some money? Like, no, no, at that point... You're a bad, bad person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and that's the thing. Like, there's no other way of putting it. Him walking away—that—that's his his revelation moment. Uh, but I think it's also her revelation moment too, where it's like she's sitting there with you know the gun in question in her hand, so her fingerprints are all over it. Um, you know, holding a gun to Mikey so he he doesn't leave, and he's gonna walk away anyways because you know. As much as he knows that the money means a lot to her, it's not worth bleeding out from the head. Hmm. I think he knew, though. He knew she wouldn't shoot him. I well, mean, she had he he had to know. She she wasn't a great person, but she certainly wasn't a killer. And and she didn't let's say she didn't mean 
to hurt him. No. It just, it happened. Mm-hmm. It was an accident. In a very she, heated moment. She sure as wasn't like concerned for Mikey. She was more concerned about losing the challenge or losing the money. And that, that's just bad. Yeah. I'm sorry, but if someone's injured, you call them a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's cameras everywhere too. Like, I mean, I think the the organizers of the the challenge should have at least tried to get him some medical attention. Mm. I mean, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. I'm sure they signed waivers, but still, bad fictional character. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm I'm gonna put this out there, okay? Because we have on this show, we've already covered the bubble. Love, love the bubble. We talk endlessly about our love of the show staged. Love. (laughs) Right? There are shows and movies that came out during the pandemic that are very much products of the pandemic. And when you realize that this is filmed in 2020, um, they've wrapped production in 2021, and then they, you know, I don't think it would have taken them too long to do post-production on this film. It's not that, you know, there's not a lot, there's no really, I mean, aside from the, 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 the bad trip sequence, but you know, I'll let you guys watch that. But this film came out in 2023. And I wonder, given the nature of the way it's filmed and the focus on isolation, I'm, I'm going to ask you, do you think this film would have fared better if it came out mid you know late to late 2021 as people are still in lockdown um i mean it's it's an interesting question i think i i mean i don't know but i think it's kind of like almost i don't know it's it's almost too real mm-hmm. i would think for some people who may have lost their jobs they may have been secluded um, either completely alone or with with someone, perhaps a roommate, uh, a relationship. Um, I mean, you really, really have to be, as we mentioned, you have to be in a great place with yourself first and with the other person to withstand and and not let it drive you completely mad. And I think that seclusion, I mean, we we saw it or heard a lot about it in in the news or like, you know, mental health studies, right? People who were in lockdown and completely secluded really suffered. Like really like it's almost kind of like that's the the sad reality that came from COVID or the, the lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, more specifically to this movie, it's kind of like, um, I think you have to take it for what it is and not rely too much on whether it's like a, a, a societal statement. Mm. I also wonder too, I mean... You know, I mentioned staged. I mentioned the bubble, right? And those are just freaking hilarious, right? Like, if you want to have a good laugh at everything we just went through over the last three years, go watch the bubble, 
right? When Bull is getting the the stick up the nose, <laughs> right? We've all well, we've all been we've, there, right? We we are all Bola in that moment, right? We've all prattle endlessly on Zoom calls for far too many years now. We are all Michael Sheen and David Tennant, and I I think too because this is a very serious movie. It's a somber film, right? It's a very you know, it's it's not a happy film. I I wonder if the storyline changed and you still had the same setting, but instead of a, you know, uh, almost like an existential drama between these two, you had more of a comedy of, you know, a comedy where a couple has to stay in a, you know, completely immaculate room for 50 days for $5 million and you turn it into fun. I think that would have... That would have worked well during the pandemic because then it's making fun of the situation. I think I was hopeful for that in watching the previews. And even with how Mikey was a bit of a goofball in the beginning, Mm -hmm. in the first few scenes, I I think I was like, okay, so it's going to be a light hearted, you know, I mean, the couple are going to bicker about what, you know. (laughs) <laughs> whatever, right? Um, but it's still going to be light and it took a completely dark turn. And I, I think that was kind of disappointing. I mean, it is what it is. Um, and it, it really, I think, allowed the characters to really play their parts well. I mean, clearly, you know, we're sitting here talking about how Mikey was a goof and <laughs> Kate was kind of not a nice person. <laughs> Kate was not a goof. Um, but I think the other thing too is like, you know, the minute they come in, Kate's already like, well, so we're going to split the five million, right? Like already off the bat. <laughs> I, I Like, I think you're right. I think if it had a bit of a lighter tone and the montage was kind of fun and you saw them laughing and dancing and singing. Like, I think if you started light and then descended into descended into the madness but it felt like right off the bat that the lines were drawn right away and again i think that was pretty much their relationship Mm. i think that was the the couple's dynamic and that's sad yeah okay i have one last lingering question here and by the way uh we've spoiled quite a bit already but I'm now about to talk about the ending of this film. So if you, if you still have any inclination to see this film, now is the time to go watch the film. This is ze- literally your last chance, okay? Because I'm about to talk about the ending. So we mentioned that Mikey left the room early, thereby costing Kate $4 million. And we know that three treats were bought, two by Mikey, one by Kate, which the first treat is $100,000 and the second treat was a quarter of a million. That means the prize money, if that if that still counted, was now down to $550,000. And when they're out of the, there's a scene where like Kate's looking at the button. And there's like two days left and it fades to black. And when it fades back up to black or from black, uh, Mikey's jogging on the street out, you know, outside and he's, you know, he bumps into Kate who's just leaving the homeless shelter that her father is at and they, they start talking and they, they, they walk off together kind of thing. Not, not as a relationship, but just like to, to talk kind of thing. You know, he asks her if she made it to the end, she doesn't answer. And as they walk away, there's a sign 
that says, you know, new kitchen, you know, uh, created, you know, thanks to an anonymous donation. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you two options here. Okay. And you tell me which one in your heart you feel is the right way. Okay. Option A, Kate thought about leaving. She didn't leave. She stayed the full 50 days and got at minimum $550,000 at most the 1 million. And in that moment, she had her change of heart and she decided to donate the, the money to the shelter to help her father, to kind of help ease her conscience. Option B, she didn't make it. She bailed with two days left. The anonymous donation was made by the whoever the mastermind is of the Immaculate Room as a way to reward the couple for realizing, for, for walking away from the money and choosing themselves. Which do you think paid for the new kitchen at the shelter? No, I think it was the first one. You because think she, she made- was there. Why else would she have been at the shelter? See, I, I like to think of it as the second one. Really? If, if it's the second one, then that means both had that moment where they realized that the money isn't that important. And that was supposed to be the point of the exercise to begin with. And, you know, good behavior was rewarded, if you will. No, but the first option, at least Kate would have realized that, you know what? She can help, you know, and... Maybe it was her turnaround. And if that's the case, then okay. I'm okay with Mikey chatting with her and, you know, giving her a third chance, maybe. I don't know. Don't do it. Don't don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't like them together, do you? No, I, I don't think they were a good match. And again, maybe it was in part that they weren't happy with themselves, so they would never be happy with anybody. But I just... I th- I just think, oh, bad, bad coupling, you know. <laughs> <laughs> bad fictional characters, bad. <laughs> okay, so it's come time, and there's not a big list to choose from here. So, Carrie, who is your MVP of the Immaculate Room? Actress-wise? Uh, Whoever-wise. I'm going to go with Kate. Okay, Kate Bosworth. Because, because she definitely elicited a response. Um she made me hate her. At first, I kind of liked her. And, you know, I, I was I was hopeful. Um, I was hopeful maybe that she would find her fun. You know, that maybe um, with Mikey being such a goof that she would eventually loosen up and, and play, you know, and enjoy the time together. But that was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to go off the board on this one here with my MVP. My MVP, and, and again, I do apologize if I mess up the name. My MVP is Rasa Parton. He's the cinematographer for this film. So let me explain. You don't have much to work with in a room where there's all white on the walls, minimal furniture, but I still think in that confined space and in that that production environment where you have to think that people are getting sticks up the nose on a daily basis. Oh, Bola, we are all Bola. (laughs) 
but I still think it was well shot. There was some cool camera trickery with it. Like I thought it looked very good, even if I wasn't a big fan of some of the scripting choices. I think the actors were good for for the roles that they were given. And you're right, Kate Bosworth was very good in making us not like Kate. But I still have to think this the cinematographer needs to be singled out for doing a really good job with not much around him to shoot with. Like it's it's not like he had these intricate set pieces to work with. It's it's a white room. It's an empty white room. So you got to be at the top of your game to make that look as good as it did. So kudos to Rasa Parton, uh, my MVP for this film. Carrie, thank you so much for sitting down and, you know, watching a whole lot of white room with not a lot going on uh, and talking with me on this one. Now to you, our listeners, you guys know the drill. If there is a film out there that you think is unfairly maligned or you think is so bad that there's no way in heck that we can find anything good to say about it, hit us up on Twitter at NotThatBadCast or go to our website at NotThatBadCast.com. There you can also find our Coming Soon page, see some of the movies that we're getting ready to talk about. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you guys. Until next time, she's Carrie. I'm Jay. You guys are awesome for listening. This is... It's not that bad. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.